0: Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. I've got some big news for you. The Mismatch is hosting its first ever live show in Los Angeles at the El Ray Theater on March 6th. Me and Chris Vernon are going to be there. I'm fired up about it. At the El Ray Theater, there's been performers like Bob Dylan and Kendrick Lamar and Rage Against the Machine and Licky Lee. I'm fired up. Get to be on that stage with my guy, Chris Vernon. We've been together since 2016 doing NBA podcasts, and now we're going to get to meet a lot of you who have listened to our show for so many years. We'll do a Q&A at the end. We might have some special guests, but we're definitely going to be talking basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Tickets are going fast, though, so be sure to head to thelray.com to get your tickets now. Doors are going to open at 7 p.m., and the show is going to be starting right at 8 o'clock. Let's go,
1: baby. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com ringernba RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off Guard. I'm your host, Pasha, and joining me, my man coming straight from Cali, Austin Rivers. What's going on, man? How's the Cali weather treating you?
2: What's up? What's up? Uh... Cali's been a little different, and a little weird this time of year now, I guess. It's been like cold and rainy. I feel like I'm in like Seattle. I don't even know what's going on.
0: That's got to suck for you going from Minnesota where it's cloudy. You get five days in Cali, you get five days in LA or four days in LA and you're...
2: Yeah, yeah. But it's been, I mean, it's, I'll take it. Yesterday was pretty solid. Today was pretty solid. I'll. I'll take the weather. You know what I mean? It's better than... What I've been used to when I go home, uh, in Minnesota. I love Minneapolis, but my goodness, is it fucking cold? It's freezing.
0: How, have you gone to any restaurants out there, some of your favorite spots?
2: I have, man. Uh Craig's, shout out to Craig. Um, Wally's. Uh love some Wally's. Love a little bit of a little Javier's Century City for lunch, you know, a little Uvo, a little pasta action. You know, all my little spots. I've, I've We've been here for like four days, so I've actually had genuine time to like after practice or before practice hit up some spots. So it's been really nice.
0: Yeah, I FaceTimed you yesterday and I was pleasantly surprised to that you answered. I thought you were gonna to be totally busy and you were in your hotel. The the curtains were the curtains were up and you were just locked in and I guess the weather was kind of shitty out there.
2: Yeah, it was um it's, it's been like the first that night I was here, was like freezing and it was graining. And then yesterday it was like 60 and sunny. I think today's a little bit warmer. Today's a great day. So blessed, man. Very happy to be out here in Cali. I was born here, for people who don't know, Santa Monica. Uh, brief time here. My pops was with the Clippers, I think one year, yeah. or a couple of years he was here. So uh, yeah, it's always surreal coming back out here.
0: Would you ever, when your career's over, settle down in LA like a lot of players do? Or are you Orlando? I don't know if I'd dive? settle...
2: Down, this would have to be like a second home type thing. This would my I'll always my roots will always be in Florida, where I'm from, Orlando. Uh, that's for our, that's yeah that's that's where I'll raise my kids. but uh something else out here, like on uh you know, I do think obviously a lot of, you're going to have to spend a significant amount of time here if you're in the industry of media or really anything in sports in general. Uh, a lot of things kind of float through l a, New York, Miami, but I think la more than any city. I think even ESPN itself, a lot of their headquarters and people are out here now. So everyone's out here. So, yeah, I I, I do see myself having to get something out here eventually, for sure.
0: Nice. Let's get to it. Uh, The long anticipated, everyone wanted to see KD in a Suns jersey. Uh, It finally happened, and he had a great game against the Hornets. 23 points in 26 minutes, 10 out of 15 from the field. How do you think he looked out there?
2: I liked KD. Um, I really liked KD, uh, in his debut. Just it seemed so effortless, uh, which is how he makes it look pretty, pretty much every night, but just seemed like a natural fit. Didn't have to force anything. You could see already like the mental freedom it allows Devin to go out there and play with. Having someone like that, I think there's a lot of pressure off his shoulders. He could kind of just go be free, uh, be the scorer he is, be the playmaker he is. Um, and, and, and Kevin is such a complimentary piece to any team. The way he scores is so efficient that he really could fit into any team. He doesn't have to have, I mean, he could just score the ball in a variety of ways. You know, remember in Golden State, he could score coming off a down screen. He could score on an ISO. I mean, cause he could shoot the ball so well. So he'll, he'll never be an issue complimenting any team because that's just how skilled Kevin Durant is. One of the best scores ever. And he looked really good, man. They're going to be really good. They're going to be good. Um, it's just a matter of what they can get from, I think, everybody else. But a lot of those guys, are role players are playing well. Terrence Ross helps. I really like the Suns team. Um, they're obviously well coached. They're going to have an uh, exciting run here in the second half, I'm sure.
0: Don't you feel like every player that comes off of an injury, it takes a while for them to get into it, they're rusty? You've came off injuries before. First couple of games, you you know, you know have to get the, the pace, the rhythm back in. I feel like KD comes back every time, misses a year. And looks exactly like Prime KD. I've never seen him look rusty.
2: Between him and, like, Kyrie, because Kyrie does that a lot also, you know, Kyrie's been through, like, bro, how many times has, like, Kyrie had a suspension or whatever, whether it's been where he's hurt, hiatus, there's a lot of different things, right? He has spent significant time away from basketball, and then he'll come back, like, game one and have 32, and he really makes it look so fucking easy out there. Him and Kevin. Kevin's even. I think even on a different level. You know, Kevin had what twenty three last game. What he shoot from the field? Yeah.
0: Ten, 10 out of fifteen.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's ridiculous, man. Ten out of fifteen is a great night for for just about anybody in the league. For him to have that in his first game with this new team, with everybody watching, it's just it just shows like how uh, calm collective and confident he is on the court no matter what the situation is uh I mean, kevin is like a true assassin for hire that's kind of what he is now right he's like the mercenary of the nba he's just like any team that's looking to fu- you know for a championship can pay him max dollar to, to come there and help them get over the hump you know what i mean that's the type of player he is
0: and i asked you the other day i said yeah we got kd for a couple more years of you know him playing at this level you you stopped me and said fuck no he's gonna he could do this for five more years if he wanted to."
2: Yeah, I just think with how light his body is, the load management, uh, the impact on his on his joints, I don't think, you know, his game is just limited to it to the next couple of years. I just think this is the type of player score skilled, especially his skill level and his shooting ability with his size. He can get a shot off pretty much any anytime he wants. He could probably put, play realistically. If Kevin really, really wanted to. I mean, how old is Kevin right now? He's thirty four, thirty-five. So, yeah, he could probably play, like, if he really wanted to. I think he could play, like, another eight years. I know that sounds crazy, but, like, he really could do that easily. Not easily, but he 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 would be still an elite player, I think, for eight years straight.
0: And you made a good point that he just comes in on any team and fits right in. And people don't give him the credit. People obviously have a lot to say about him, a lot of it negative with, you know, the way he's kind of gone about his career. But the guy joined a 73-9 and team and fit in almost perfectly, made that one of the best teams I've ever seen in my lifetime, which is really hard to do for any player. I don't care who it is. LeBron would have a tougher time fitting in with a team like that than KD, the way he seamlessly did it. Goes to a new organization with Kyrie and all new teammates. Ball's out there after a crazy injury. He just kind of fits wherever he goes. And I think hopefully when his career is over, people kind of appreciate that. Yeah. All the negative stuff.
2: That's a really good point, Pasha. You know, and and the thing is, that's interesting about that is, as a viewer... You, you, you as a spectator of basketball, you should always try to take like your own personal feelings out of it and like judge a situation for what it is and judge a player for what it is instead of you know putting your own emotion into it and I think it's very hard for people to do that with with Kevin, just in general, because that decision till this day really bothers people that he went to the team that he lost to and he went to the team that happened to have the best record in modern uh, basketball history, you know 73 and nine. He joined that team, and at that time we're talking Kevin was even closer to his prime prime, and he was the you know arguably the best player in the world, uh, along with braun, obviously, at that point, I think LeBron was still at that point the best player in the league, but um, Kevin was right there in the mix, and they were up three one I mean everything that you could possibly put that could bother people about that that's what that's, that's, that's just what it is. Kevin made that decision with that being said, to your point, the psychological, the things that would be going through your head in terms of as a player, joining a team and not trying to mess up 73 and nine, I don't want to mess up what they got going on here. they clearly got everything going on. They're one of the best teams in the league, yada, 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 to join that team uh, would not be easy, man. And you've seen a lot of basketball players try to join that team. And, you know, it works, it doesn't work. But to Kevin's level, you know, that's a whole different thing because you're not like just some like role piece in their system. You're like a big now centerpiece uh in a well oiled machine. And that's not easy to do. And he fit in so easily. He fit in. I mean, they were they were just better. They were better with him. And people also forget, most importantly, that even though Kevin did all this, he did join the team he lost to, they're up three and one. The team was seventy three and nine, whatever, whatever. Kevin is the reason they won. And it's just a fact. If you go watch the Cavaliers uh, series, uh, not to say that the Warriors wouldn't have got there without him, not to say any of these things, but I was on the Rockets at the time playing that team. I could tell you how, and they beat us without Kevin. You know, Kevin, Kevin went down and they still beat us in that series. So that's why I can't say, I you know, they, I think they would have got the finals regardless because they were just that good of a team. But winning, they wouldn't have won without him. He was the best, most dominant player in that finals uh maybe Psychologically,
0: other than LeBron. psychologically, LeBron coming back from 3 1, I think he led that series in points, rebounds, assists, the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like he figured the Warriors out and yeah. he, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have beat the Caps the next couple no, of years.
2: No, no. And the way that Kevin played was just, I mean, bro, the shots he was hitting, the big shots he was hitting, he was dominant all series long. He just extended what run they already built for themselves and kind of like a dynasty that the Warriors built for themselves. He was able to extend it at that time. They've obviously been able to do that since then. But yeah, I mean, that was, Kevin doesn't get a lot of credit for that. You know, he he only gets hate for that decision. I understand, I get it, whatever, whatever. But the bottom line is he was incredible and what he did was incredible. Uh, And people need to like also see that side of it that, you know, Kevin really fit in the greatest team in the league seamlessly and then elevated them and was the best player on that team. You know, he just was. He might have not been the most important. I think everybody knows Steph to that system and culture over there is like the centerpiece. But, you know, Kevin really was the best player in the finals, and uh, he was dominant. I think it's also super important
0: that KD won the finals MVP both of those years and had the most memorable shot in both of those finals, the one over LeBron in game three. So that kind of, that made it, that sealed the deal that he was, for me, in my eyes, they wouldn't have done it without him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any arguing that anymore. I just think people are just still salty about the situation and it is what it is, you know.
0: I have a question for you. What tenure do you think was more successful? LeBron with the Heat in those 4 years, 4 finals, 2 titles, or KD with the Warriors, 3 years, 3 finals, 2 championships? Which one do you think was a more successful run?
2: I, I I'll give the edge to LeBron because he helped build it. Um where KD elevated it. It's just kind of two different things. Um, It's hard to measure the success because they both were so dominant. They both were the reasons their teams won. They both were finals MVPs. You know, you can kind of go back and forth for apples and oranges with that. But I felt the Heat were a team that LeBron came to and they built that team with Way, with Bosh. You know, they did it together. They went their first year to the finals, obviously lost to the Mavs, uh, came back when the next year. And they won the year after that as well, didn't they? Maybe right. the Spurs. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was at that game. Uh, okay, well, okay, okay.
0: Game. let's stop right there. What was that like? Because I heard they were roping things off. Confetti no, about they to were, drop.
2: They had, the, they had uh, the confetti-like thing up top ready to go they already had in the in the hallways where like the players go they had these big stands that they were bringing out to like the stage because you know the spurs were like getting ready to just close it down when when everything i mean uh spurs family members were out of their seats and like towards the bench like they were all roped off like they had already left their seats like it was a done deal uh you know what i mean people were half the arena left everybody was out of there i mean like the miami heat fan base half of that arena was like they were already out the way to the door. And then things just went from, you know, boom, 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 down the line. You know, missed free throws, t- you know, turnover, offensive rebound, uh, three-point. I mean, it just kept everything happened wrong for the Spurs and the, the Heat somehow put that together. Once they won that game, you knew it was a wrap. So, uh, yeah, that was crazy. But, yeah, I, I, I would I would give the edge of LeBron. He helped build that. Um From ground, I don't want to say, yeah, from ground up for whatever that is. You know, you had it with Wade and Bosh. People felt obviously, you know, obviously in in similar way to to Kevin, people didn't like that he went there either. You know I mean? He was, LeBron. There were two
0: of the most hated teams. Both of those teams were hated.
2: They were, especially the Heat. I think the Heat even more. I really do. Uh, uh, LeBron was... He was like the villain of the NBA for like two, three years. I mean, you remember the Nike commercial uh, that he had to come out with, you know, because he was so hated. People were burning his jersey, Cleveland especially. Uh, I think like their infrastructure and like the business slowed down when he left. Like it was just multiple, you know, which isn't his fault. But still, it's a multitude of of things uh, that people didn't like. He had the whole show that he had on ESPN, The Decision. Brought to you by Decision Water, um, like like Vitamin Water had a commercial. It's like, brought to you by Decision Water. I'm like, whoa, this guy. You start drinking stuff and just making decisions.
0: As much as people hated the decision, I'm, people already cool do that, that
2: now, huh? People already drink well, a little thinking, bit, and make think, decisions, huh?
0: I think it's really cool that people that we had that in our lifetime that we got to see that as as bad as it was, and for his career, his brand, it's it's a kind yeah, of one of those I mean, moments. You know where you were when LeBron made that decision, and that like plaid shirt he was wearing or whatever yeah
2: yeah that was crazy within itself but yeah the edge goes to LeBron in that one in my opinion uh where KUD kind of went to something that was already great he just made it on a hold If they he, he made him like unbeatable and you know Kevin has to be giving crev- credit to that as well I think people always view it as a slight but uh Kevin was dominant with Golden State and he was I mean he's been dominant everywhere he goes and there was no different there
0: and like you said, when LeBron left Cleveland, it kind of all went to shit for a while. They got, I think they got the number one pick three out of four years after he left. Um, compare that to Michael Jordan, who, when he retired in 1993, the Bulls won two less games the next year without him. That's another conversation yep. for another day, though, for our LeBron-Michael Jordan uh, arguments. We won't, we won't bother our never, with our that never right ending,
2: now. Our never-ending argument.
0: We won't, we won't take it there yet. Uh, so recently, Charles Barkley made a comment about load management. Everyone hates it. Especially fans. I know teams, you know, they feel like it's necessary, but he said something to the effect of you're going to make 70 million, but you can't play basketball three or four times a week with, you know, you're staying in the best hotels, you're flying private, the best medical stuff ever created. Uh, What were your thoughts when you saw that?
2: You know, I've had like mixed feelings about that comment because there's a truth to it, you know, and I think Anthony Edwards even spoke on it, my teammate, just about how stars need to play more and load management sometimes gets out of hand. Uh, I do agree with that in the sense, um, but my thing would be, I don't know what they could possibly do about considering some of the things that the NBA is implementing. Um, uh, there's now a play-in game. You could be a top 10 seed and still make the playoffs. So stars, are they inclined to play every single night? I don't know. I don't know. The way the NBA set up currently, with a lot of things that they're trying to put together, like it only helps stars, you know, be able to. That's a
0: really good point. I don't want to interrupt, but that's a really good point. I'll see a team lose five out of six games, and they're still like the Warriors are a five seed right now, or something. Yeah, it's people will lose games, and they'll still be right in the mix. And right in the mix. I guess that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. You could a player could you could not play with your star player for a week or so, and not really fall in the standings.
2: No, you can figure it out. You know, you have like five games without him. You win like two out of, you win two, lose three. So you're just down one game, and then he comes back and plays again. Like that's the way the NBA is set up right now. It is so tailored, I feel like, for a lot of guys to be able to load management, to load manage correctly. And, and that's something that I think was a lot different in Charles' game. I think the, just the technology and everything that they had was different then. Yeah, you know what? To Charles' point, he is right. They did play more, they didn't load management. But that's why I don't know if you've ever seen those guys walk. And I'm not even trying to be like disrespectful or funny. Like I I watch my dad walk. I watched like these older guys that played in the NBA walk, man. Like the the damage on these guys' bodies is is, Kevin McHale.
0: Watching Kevin McHale when he was coaching the Rockets going up and down the sideline. It was brutal.
2: And that's and that's most players from that era. I mean, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying a lot of guys from that era. And they'd say soft this or that, but like, bro, you know what I mean? Like, that's your body. You know, guys want to be able to move and be healthy after age 35, 36, 40, whatever you retire, right? From the NBA. That's, 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 I don't know. I think that's a point to be looked at. Um, there's, there's- I And with mean, players I, I really... making,
0: with players making seven, uh, you know, $50 million a year, yeah, you don't want to take that risk with guys because that's a lot of your salary cap. You're, you're, this team is investing $50 million in a guy. They don't want him to get hurt. And with all the science that's showing now that- they're, you know, teams, what people don't realize is a lot of teams are holding these players out and they're implementing these these plans for these players. When I was in Memphis with Chandler Parsons, he was cleared and ready to go and the Grizzlies were holding him out when he wanted to play and it was an issue. So people think it's all the players that are doing that and calling them soft. A lot of teams are doing that as well.
2: Yeah, it's crazy to me just because uh, I feel like that's a decision that that sometimes is made by players and sometimes it's not, you know, I've seen it both sides there. I've seen sometimes like a guy fight a team because he wants to play and they're, they're, they're like, you know, you need to rest right now, which is, it is what it is. I think teams started getting fined for that. Um, and there's been situations where, you know, a guy's trying to sit, you know, sit down and he wants to rest. And you could see there's animosity within like the locker room or management or coaches like, why the fuck is this guy playing? You know what I mean? But, Guys are healthier after they're done playing. Guys are playing way longer. You know, LeBron's dominant right now and he's in year 20, man. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a 10-year career, which is still a long career in today's standards. But back then was like a very long career. That's a long career. Michael played 13 years or something like that. You know what I mean? Didn't he? Like what, 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 what did MJ play? Well, I think he played 16 total if you count the Wizards. Well, that's because, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying though. Most, yeah, he did come back but a lot of guys played like 10 12 13 years. I think NBA careers are longer now, they're healthier after. Uh, you know, there's been more of a scheme to guys being healthier, playing longer term to make more money. And a lot of guys in the NBA previously did not make a lot of money, which I do think there's resentment there. I mean, we we could talk about that easily just transitioning in. How much hate does how much hate do a lot of older players put on younger players today? A lot of that is true, but the game has also changed. It has evolved. You know, they say we're soft and this, this, and that. The game's just changed, man. We got guys pulling up from half court. It's not that we're not playing defense. In fact, it's easier to play defense with your hands. I promise you. I wish I could play like it was 90s and I could fucking hand check Steph Curry around the whole court and be able to put my arms on him and touch him. You know what I mean? Like I got to guard guys who are way skilled, way faster, quicker, can shoot better uh, in this era than they did in that. And I can't touch them. That's why you're seeing scores of 175 to 170, 140 to 130. You know what I mean? Like you got the best players in the league: Damian Lillard, Steph, LeBron, Kevin. The list goes on. Jokic, Giannis. Look at look at the players that we're talking about skill level wise compared to back then. And then you add to the game or to the fact that we literally can't. Like you you it's very hard to be physical with them. In fact, the playoffs is the only time you consistently see an emphasis that the refs are like in unison about like, all right, we're not going to call as much. We're gonna let them play. Other than that, it, it it gets a little, it gets, uh, you know, it gets hard to guard out there, man. Like it's, it's yeah.
0: Yeah. That's another thing people don't talk about. Also, maybe it was a little easier to defend in the eighties and nineties when you knew a guy would only shoot maybe two threes or a team would only shoot six threes that entire game. Well, you're only guarding them, you know, a small part of the court where now where stuff comes down, Dame comes down, you have to guard them the entire length of the court. It's way easier to guard a guy. You know, let's say you're guarding Scottie Pippen in the nineties. You don't have to guard him at the three point line necessarily, right? He only shoots to shoot maybe two a game. And wouldn't that make it? I mean, you're out there. Isn't that easier when you know a guy's not going to shoot a three and you only guard him a certain part of the court?
2: Yeah. If you, I mean, if you go, if you go back and watch like the nineties finals, watch just just watch any of the 90s finals. I'm not saying like, like, any of them, 80s, 70s. Watch how off someone's guarding someone at the three-point line. I could have got a three-pointer shot off anytime I wanted to. Now I have to guard a guy a step over half court because of the range of some of these players and the skill level of some of these players.
0: Yeah, and I watched the game one time. Uh, with Courtney Lee, who always he's a big '90s were better, you know. Back then, those players were better, tougher, et cetera. And me and him were watching a game. It was, you know, like a 1993 playoff game on NBA TV, like a hardwood classic. And a guy caught the ball at the elbow, and the guy guarding him really wasn't even guarding him. And Courtney was like, "Wait, what?" He was so shocked by that. And I remember thinking, "That's it's a lot easier to guard if you're not guarding guys and they're not capable of maybe making those threes or those long range shots. It's probably easier to guard them, right?"
2: 100 percent. it's just it's just it's just i mean yeah you just you already explained it bro imagine guarding someone five feet off of them and being able to be like in a help and a load and not worry about a guy shooting a three because it's just considered a bad shot or a far shot or whatever they you know but again i'm not i'm not here to like uh uh make fun of them it's just a different era it's just the evolution of basketball man just like technology is way better now than what it was then Is the same thing with everything else in life. The evolution of social media, access to kids being able to see and watch their players do every move, practice it. You know, I learned a Euro step in in in, in tenth grade, eleventh grade. You got kids learning Euro steps in uh, uh, kindergarten now, in pre K. It's I mean, or first grade, whatever, second grade. These guys are doing the same moves that I learned. It's the evolution of basketball. Uh, do I think the 100-point scoring record will be broke again? Yeah, I do. You know what I mean? I, I, that type of stuff is headed. I, I think in the next 10 years, someone will score 100 points in a game. Damian Lillard scored 70-something the other day. I don't even know when they took him out the game. But I guarantee you there's going to be a, a team, especially on like a losing team, where a guy's like really, really good and it's like the second half of the season and they're not really playing for much and they're just out there kind of fucking around. You see that with like some of the teams that are making the playoffs. But they got a really good score in their team they could have one of those weird games that like the guy has it going the whole team's just like let's see how many points he could score. I'm not even kidding. That you could just see. Well, that unfortunately,
0: happening. if there's a really if there's a really shitty team with a good score on it, they would probably bench him or sit him out for the year to tank. They probably wouldn't even play that guy.
2: Yeah, I mean yeah, you're right. But I'm saying like maybe like with like 15 games left, 12 games left. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they that's going to start happening over the next 5 to 10 games, you're going to see those teams players just not play because everybody's going to be getting ready for this draft and trying to give their chances a little bit stronger case to get to what victor
0: if i was a, if I were to tell you right now there's a player that's alive that's going to break the hundred point scoring record. who would you put
2: your money on that it would be in today's current climate yeah like what's yeah. The,
0: out of the pool of NBA players today, I don't think you think anyone in college is going to do it.
2: It'd have to be a guy that could shoot because um, you'd have to do both. You'd have to hit a tremendous amount of threes to score 100 points because it's, it's, not, it's not like Wilt where you could just dump it down to him and he could just turn and shoot over somebody. I mean, it's just like... And I don't take anything from Wilt because his numbers are just ridiculous, but it's just... We're not even going to get into that. It's just different right now. Of someone scoring 100 points in modern day, would be insane. I do think it'll be done. Uh, today... I do feel like if Joel Embiid, like, just really wanted to just dominate a game, like, to a crazy level, he could probably score 100 points.
0: I did not think you were going to say Joel Embiid. If I had 20 guesses, I wouldn't have guessed Joel Embiid.
2: I, I really, I, I just think he could, if he really wanted to be, like, just be a dog and go, like, post up every single time and just go get fouled or laid in. If they threw it to him every time down the floor to go shoot, like, a, a little, one of those weird games where, like, you know, Joel, so many points you could score. He could probably get close there's just nobody in the league with his size that could guard him. I mean, Jokic is the only other guy that like those two battle each other. And I mean, I don't know, man. Well, I can see that happening. We got to look up.
0: We have to look up the next time the Sixers play the Rockets. So maybe Joel will score a hundred there because the Rockets are the team that'll give it up for sure. They're the ones that are giving up those big scoring nights. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Klay Thompson has like 13 threes against the Rockets Damian Lillard has 71 points against the Rockets you tell
2: me yeah well the Rockets the Rockets are doing what they're uh, you know they're going after Vic man you know what I mean they're they're going after Scoot or somebody you know that's pretty clear
0: so for the record are you going to when your career is over when the sun is set on your basketball career are you going to be one of those old heads on TV talking shit about the new generation
2: absolutely (laughs) just wanted to make sure we're on the same page okay i i don't think i'll ever you know there's a fine line man there's some guys who do it tastefully and are able to give opinions without being disrespectful uh they just are doing their job you know what i mean like I, i i like what you know kenny smith does kenny smith can give an opinion and have it be done eloquently and give his thoughts out there. Some might be on the side of a player, some might be against, but it's never in a disrespectful way. Uh, and there's there's a plethora of people who do it the right way. Uh, you know, but uh, J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick's another one. J.J. gives opinions all the time. You know, I think this guy does this or this or that, but like he rarely crosses the line of, of disrespect. He obviously made the comments about the plumbers and firemen, which a lot of former basketball players didn't really like. Uh, understandably so, but his point was made, but our current players, you know, I, I think it just has to be done with that line. And some guys do it differently. You know, I think their lines blurred, but I think they get paid to do that. And some guys are okay with doing that. You know what I mean? So it's just, you know, that's all I can really say to that.
0: In the last podcast, I have to slide this in really quick. You made the comment, you looked that into the camera and you said, those guys that think they could play basketball, those guys at LA Fitness, they, you guys suck and you can't. I want to clarify because I had a lot of people reach out to me afterwards. That doesn't also mean that if you didn't play basketball, that you can't talk about basketball and analyze basketball. For example, like some of my favorite guys like Colin Coward, Ryan Russillo, people like that, they never played. They could still watch basketball and have great takes. You weren't talking about them. You were talking about guys that think they could play in the NBA, they can't.
2: I'm talking about, I'm talking about people who have no background at all in basketball or don't like, like for instance, someone would be like, well, Stan Van Gundy's never played in the NBA. I'm not talking about people like Stan is a, a basketball brainiac. Lawrence Frank is a basketball brainiac. Those are people, Eric Spoelstra is a basketball brainiac. These guys were around the game their entire life. No, they didn't play it at the highest level, but they've been around it. Those aren't the people I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about fans who have watched basketball their entire life and played but might not have just been athletic enough or good enough to be, uh, you know, picked on a team. I'm not talking about those people either. Those are people who watch basketball. I'm talking about the people who just like tune into a game and will see something and just go on the comments and start talking crazy. And their comments are so far off from anything relative to the truth that it just comes across as like, I don't even want to respond to this guy because he's so, like, it's just such a dumb take. There are so many dumb people that watch sports, not just in basketball, and have no idea what they're talking about. Those are the people I'm talking about. If you're a person who watches basketball, I don't even want to say religiously, but, you know, a lot, and you've been doing it for a long time and are a genuine fan and play, you know, at lunch with your friends or this or that, I'm not talking about you. Those are people who watch basketball. I don't think their minds are as sharp as the people who actually are around and played, but those people are qualified to be able to watch basketball and talk their shit. Whether they're right or wrong, I'm not even talking about them. But yeah, to the people who just are on Instagram spewing just the dumbest shit ever and have like really zero knowledge of the game or history of the game, yeah, I, I think those people are idiots, and I stand by that. Whatever. I agree with you, by the way. I, all right, I thank you. Like thank you for giving me, right. giving me. Yeah, you got quiet like on I'm me like, there. You, that. Ooh, look, you I was, got. you I'm, got a little quiet on me there. I was like, well, I, really, I,
0: I was trying to figure out where I stand in, in, in those people that you're naming. I feel like I'm.
2: You know, you're not, okay. Play. You're the perfect example though. Like you never made the high school team. You never played basketball anywhere. You grew up literally around basketball and watched basketball your entire life. You know more about basketball history in terms of stats and shit than I do. Like I, I, you are not the type of person I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who really don't like, don't know anything about basketball. Like don't like, don't know. Right. I'm not talking about people who play, whether it's organized or not and watch. Those people I'm not talking to. Now, in terms of them thinking, they're good at basketball and could do what NBA players do, or like thinking the guy at the end of the bench is not that good. Those guys, those are the people I'm talking about as well. Those people are idiots. Oh, and that, those are the people that don't actually know basketball. If you knew anything about basketball, for instance, you, you never played basketball, yada, yada, yada. You have been around the game long enough and know enough that the guy at the end of the bench of an NBA team could, could go play uh, at someone's local LA fitness and look like Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, you don't have to keep saying I never played basketball. Okay, I played. I just didn't play my senior year. Jesus. I was on a team with four NBA players. It's the best high school in, in Florida history. And don't
2: argue. But you that. never you never played varsity, though. Yeah, I, I just I was 5'10. I had
0: That's NBA players on my high school team. If I could have went to Winter we had, Park and made it, you guys were bums. You had two players. Joey Rodriguez pl- started in the final four. Brett Chance, D1. Chandler Parsons, NBA, Nick this NBA. I averaged 30 in my leagues. It makes me sound like I'm a freak. I'm, I'm very athletic. What is this? I don't... I'm one of those athletic think, people you guys hang around. That's actually not true at all, but you know what I mean.
2: I don't think anybody looks at you and sees former basketball. I think people see your face on here and they think Oscar. Podcaster. Oscar. <laughs> this is insane.
0: Oscar Isaac. I want you to... That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Danny Ricciardo. Um, The thing I get... But first of all, you how many... 36- love,
2: you love some Daniel... You love some Danny Ricard. What's Daniel Ricardo? You love him. And he's the you, most likable athlete on the like planet. Like it's like this. He's the most what
0: likable athlete on the planet. Everyone loves him. No one has anything bad to say about Danny Ricardo besides he's not a good driver.
2: Is Yan? Gian, is Giannis in that same conversation?
0: Sure, man. But like James Harden got into it and said he had no skill. Like no one's saying anything bad about Danny Ricardo. Danny Daniel Ricardo's the man. And it's not weird that I have a big <laughs> nose and curly hair and everyone thinks I look like him. It's not a big deal. Have I been to Vegas where people stopped me and thought I was Daniel Ricardo? More than once. I get, I, get it all, I get it all the time. I don't even think it's a compliment. You're just calling me Can Sam. Yeah, Jesus. Austin's eating cupcakes at 30. When he's 36, I don't even want to see it. You're going to be a stretch
2: guard out there. Antoine Walker. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm always going to be skinny, bro.
0: Well, my family's not. Okay, and I'm telling you right now, I have the genetics of a DJ Khaled and I have to watch
2: everything I eat. I'm over here fasting. I feel weak. I think you're everyone's, you're, you could be, I think people will like you more than me on this eventually. You're so more, you're, so more, you're, you're, you're the average Joe.
0: That's, you're doing it again. <laughs> I'm not. Yesterday I did 25 pull-ups. I didn't even, I, wasn't even, I was just warming up. I'm not confident about a lot of things, but
2: I'm strong. If we're playing dodgeball, if we're both characters thrown in the dodgeball movie, which, which team are you on?
0: What, are you calling me the pirate?
1: <laughs> That's insane, bro. All right,
2: let's take a quick break. And when we
0: get back, we're going to do a little story time with Austin Rivers. It was recently the five-year anniversary of the Rockets Clippers tunnel incident that you were involved in, even though you weren't oh, playing.
2: Fantastic.
0: So, can you kind of maybe walk us through that? Maybe tell us some things that maybe the casual fan didn't know about that night. I know it started with you and Trevor Ariza, but it was a chippy game the entire time.
2: You know, that to this day is so weird to me that Trevor got that mad at me just because it it just was so not that big of a deal. The stuff I was saying on the sidelines, because I wasn't playing, I was in a boot. I had a suit on and I had just got done with a uh, procedure on my foot like weeks prior. So I was in like a walking boot. And I was just talking, but it was just like normal trash talk. I didn't call anybody like. Names Nothing was or personal. <clears throat> I but that game had so much animosity towards it. With Chris leaving, going there, um, that I think he probably got caught up in the moment, and then I got caught up in the moment, and we're just kind of like talking back and forth. But I never thought I said anything that uh, warranted the incident that took place after. With that being said, I think again like I said there was a lot of different uh feelings there. I I think I was just one piece of it. Uh, you know, there was Blake being involved and Chris being involved and this guy being involved and this guy being involved and like it, it was a, there was a lot there. Um was a shock. I was in my I was I mean I was in my my seat of my locker. Again, I didn't play. I had my boot on, so I didn't really think anything of it. And on my phone and all I hear is, hey, 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 I just hear like somebody grabbing somebody and I look up and like Trevor's like five feet from me, like trying to come. I don't even know what he's trying to do. I mean, it can't be talk because no one's busting in someone's locker room to go talk to him. So I d I, I don't know what what his true intention was or like what he thought he'd be able to do, especially like in front of my teammates like that. Like it's but he was on one, you know what I mean? Like he he really did that. So he came in and uh that happened, and then after that, like guys sp- kind of sp- Piled in after him from the Rockets, think, making sure he was okay. And when that happens, you got guys like running in the locker room. And this team's after that game, and everything that's been said between both parties, you know, a lot went on in there. A lot of a lot of pushing, a lot of grabbing. It was just like chaos. It was chaos. Was Chris Chris Paul was leading the charge
0: through a secret? He wasn't. He or? wasn't re-
2: that. I don't. He wasn't. He did go through the alleyway. It's not like a secret alleyway. Anybody who's been in the Staples Center down below. Uh, even media, uh, knows about this. It's just a hallway between two lockers. That's all it is. It's not like a secret passage. It's not even that far. It's like 10, 15 feet would be the difference. I mean, you literally like go into the, you open the side door of the locker and it goes into this empty hallway, which goes right into the other locker room. If you really wanted to, uh, do that. I think they have that door blocked off or locked now, but whatever. Um, He wasn't leading the charge. Like he didn't come in. He was like, "There he is, grab him." You know what I mean? Like (laughs) he he just like he just appeared after. But Trevor was the first one that came in, and then Chris might have been like the third or fourth person after that, maybe second person after that. But he wasn't coming in to fight anybody. Um, And I don't even think Trevor came in to fight. I think Trevor really kind of came in. I can't speak for him, but he came in on some like, you know, trying to check me type shit. You know what I mean? Like, yo, who, what the fuck was you, who are you talking to? You know, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, I just felt like he was really on one in that moment. And, you know, was from my eyes and from what I saw, you know, it looked like he was really, you know, about that action. He came into the locker room, like really trying to press me type shit. But I, again, I was in a boot sitting down. So I look up, I'm like, what is going on, bro? So I get up, I'm like, bro, what you? you know, I start talking my shit back to him. Just like, what are you doing, bro? Like what do what you, you know, after that it turns chaos, a lot of Rockets players came in there and I just see guys just all over the place, just grabbing, pushing, shoving, Security is running around there, police was in there. It was it was a circus. It lasted for like I could be wrong here. One of the other players would have to correct me, but maybe like 30 seconds to a minute. I mean, it was just it wasn't something that was was resolved in like 10 seconds and they pushed him out of the locker room. Like it was like eight or it was like five or six Rockets players in there, but we were like in this little corner of the locker room by the passage, like the doorway. So like, it was like all of us packed in here. It, it, it was just like guys talking. And it was, a, I think it was a moment where like you had a group of like 14 players just being overly emotional and doing too much. All of us were. We got, we got too emotional and took it the wrong way. So that happened. That, uh, that was definitely one of the crazier fights I've been in since I've been in the NBA.
0: I mean, the LAPD was called... People made a big deal about that. And everyone decided, I'm glad you clarified that it wasn't some secret passageway or tunnel. People act like Chris Paul like turned a candle and like some mysterious wall turned into a door yeah, and opened he, up. He wasn't was like,
2: like <laughs> running through the hallways with a lantern, like having people follow him. Like uh, he opened the side door to his locker, walked about 10 feet and opened up another door that everybody in stable Center working history knows about. I, I mean, that's, and then yeah that happened. But the fight there was nobody like throwing punches or anything like that. It wasn't that serious. Was just a bunch of guys pushing and shoving and just being a little bit dramatic and angry. We all were. I was talking too much, that guy was talking too much, this guy was talking too much. It kind of went too far. But it was what it was.
0: Another story I want to get to, you were involved in a trade that a team thought they were getting one Brooks and ended up getting another Brooks and you yeah, were involved that was in comedy. that.
2: One. I was traded during the game. Uh, I was playing a game. Who were you playing for? I was playing for the Washington Wizards. We were playing the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we, I think we actually might have won that game. Maybe. We didn't win a lot. Uh, the team was not that well, good. I, would,
0: I, would, I, I don't want I don't, I to say we because it sounds like halfway through the game, you weren't on the team anymore.
2: Yeah, I, I guess at some point in the game, it wasn't we anymore. At some point, they lost the game or won the game. Uh, I, I got traded and um, I think it was like fourth quarter. I go back to like the locker room after and they're like, yo, you know, you're, you just got traded to Phoenix. And I'm just like, you know, and Kelly Oubre was also in the trade, but he was going to Memphis. So we were all just like, all right, you know what I mean? And obviously that DC situation wasn't working really for anybody um just the team in, in terms of just like that team networking. Uh So I think the organization at that point, you know, decided to go a different direction and <clears throat> we're on our way or like the, the, they pull us right after we leave the arena, me and Kelly aside. And they're like, Hey, hold up. The trade has been held off because they got the Brooks is wrong. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, the Suns thought they were getting also, um, Dylan Brooks and not Marshawn Brooks, because there's two Brookses on the on the Grizzlies. And I was just like, you have to be fucking kidding me. So me and Kelly now are back on the team that just traded us, and we had to fly on the plane, get on the bus, fly on the plane with the team that just traded us back to like our city. And like we get off the plane and like the unloading the bags, so you're like in a room with everybody, or like right outside the plane, waiting with everybody, the coach, the channel manager, everybody just get in your bag. You're just like, there's not a lot to be said there. So the trade ended up not going through, I believe. (laughs) I think they ended up making a trade for Kelly uh, in a different way or like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I ended up getting traded. Uh, I think I got traded to Phoenix. I don't even fucking remember. Isn't that sad? Isn't that Uh, sad, Pasha?
0: You're just numb to the kind of moves that. Were, I mean, you've been in the. NBA I'm, a long I'm over time. here.
2: I'm over here. The last like 30 seconds, put, putting that thing together. I'm over here just rambling, just trying to like. <laughs> I'm like trying to put this together in my head of like, what the hell happened in your career? Where, what, where did you go? What happened? I don't even know. I've been through so much in this league. I, I don't even remember. All I know is the trade didn't go through. Then it went through, but like Kelly went here, I went there. But those like 48 hours, it was really weird. Kelly ended up in Phoenix. I didn't. Long story short, thank you. No, not really. Phoenix would have been amazing. But that didn't work out. And I then ended up signing uh, what changed my career. turned to be a great deal. Houston, bro. Houston was amazing. Ended up going to H-Town. So we, we both got to go to great cities and, and great organizations. Uh, D.C. was a great organization as well. Just Fit just wasn't, I think, right at the time with the, that roster we had. But Kelly ended up going to Phoenix. I ended up going to uh, Houston. And the way we go. There we go
0: you uh you went to you went to the Houston Rockets and you played for Dan Tony. You've played for your father, obviously. you played for thibs. I want to know I mean, those are some pretty you know big time coaches. What were the differences between those guys, kind of how they coached? maybe the way you know just the way they were off the court, even?
2: yeah, man, every coach I've played for has been so different, like completely different. I, I always thought they would be similar, you know, all coaches would kind of be alike. Uh, but it's just been so different everywhere I've gone. Just from a cultural standpoint to how much you practice, how hard you practice, how long you practice, what's emphasized, you know, how much yelling, how much talking, how much interacting does each coach do with each player? It varies on each on on, on each team that I've been on. Um, you know, D'Antoni, D'Antoni was a very loose environment, uh, very free, put a lot of trust in us. But that's why his teams usually tended to be veteran players, so they could usually manage themselves and handle it um we had a really good team we had a f- high power offense uh i liked playing for mike i had a lot of fun playing for mike and i had a lot of fun playing for that team It was a fun team to play on we were really good uh they were good right before i got there they had chris and uh that's the year chris had got hurt where people believe to this day that they had a chance to beat the warriors they're obviously up three two uh before chris goes down so you know it's a Valid. by the way
0: shout out to the Rockets for being one of the only teams when, when the when KD was on those Warriors teams and they were the best teams I've ever seen in my lifetime half the league decided we're just gonna tank we're giving up We're let's look forward, let's look for the future the Rockets were the only team that were like fuck that we're gonna go for it and we're gonna compete with them and they did They were the so props to the Rockets you know that those Rockets years people say whatever they want about you know Maury ball but they were one of the only teams that saw the Warriors and said let's go let's go after it
2: yeah yeah they they, they uh they were they were they were very competitive. Those games, those series were very competitive. Um, I can't say it was a rivalry just because we never beat them in a playoff series, but we we definitely had a lot of moments during the regular season and even in the playoffs. Um, I remember being down 0-2 to them and coming back and being 2-2, you know what I mean? Like really making it a series and uh, yeah, we, we we fell short. But yeah, those years in Houston were great. Um you know, playing for my pops was great. You know, it had its 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 drawbacks, but that was due to the things we all know about. Just like in terms of just the public perception, and you know, uh, uh, the animosity of, of of playing for him. Uh, you know that 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 took its toll. But everything else, in terms of just basketball wise, coach, player, uh, playing for him his staff, Sam Cassell, uh, I grew a lot there in my years in L.A. I had a lot of fun playing there uh you know i've had a lot of moments uh denver was a uh, one of those situations uh, i love playing with jokic uh sometimes it's a player that really makes a situation very uh enjoyable uh he's a fun guy to play with in terms of on the basketball court where you know you could get a you know a shot at any point he, he plays pass first so uh and then even now man like Finchie. Finchie's a great coach bro like he's um he's different you know maybe not more like it, it like Everyone's different. Monty was very X's and O's. You know, my dad had a lot of X's and O's. It was general-like and leadership-like. And D'Antoni was free, you know, fast-paced, scoring, scoring. You know, everyone has their kind of thing. Finchie's like a very good coach in terms of like, he really holds everybody accountable. Holds everybody accountable from top to bottom. Um, puts a lot of trust and confidence in his players. He's very honest with what he needs from you, what he wants from you. And that can a lot of times help a player just understand their role their situation and try to excel in it so uh, i've had a lot of different experiences man even going to coach k to duke you know i mean there's just been uh i've been very thankful and blessed to play for a lot of different coaches a lot of great coaches and um you know high school david bailey shout out to david bailey aau theory and joseph um so yeah it's been fun it's been fun do you think there's coaching in your future i don't know man i really don't um I, I, I want to just like loosely say yes because that that task is a difficult one. Coaching is no easy feat, man. You got to put in more time than the players. You have to be at the gym before the players, after the players, breaking down film, watching film, preparing for not only tonight's game, the next game, the next game. I mean, bro, being a coach is exhausting, especially a head coach. I mean, uh, the pressure and anxiety and uh, the hot seat that coaches face today in the NBA, it's like the most un- unsecured job in the NBA almost is being a head coach. Uh, it's a hard job to do, man. Uh, so I don't take that lightly. I do think I could do it, but it would take a lot of hard work. And, and uh, yeah, it, it has to be something I'm 100% dedicated to because like I said, assistant coach, coaching in general, is that's, that's a hard job, bro. So maybe, we'll see. I think the front office, the agency side, the business side, um, especially the front office side, that's also intriguing to me as well. I uh, want to continue to learn about that and... S- Possibly, you might see myself doing something like that as well. So we'll see.
0: I feel like every time I'm around your father, he just seems, you know, exhausted. So, you know, coaching takes, you know, so much of his time. I know he loves the golf. Do you think, you know, you could see a time where he's going to maybe, you know, put the clipboard down and maybe kind of enjoy that, you know, Bel Air Country Club membership he has? Or do you think it's, do you think he's going to coach until the wheels fall off?
2: I think he'll coach until the coaching doesn't present itself anymore. Uh, First off, I think he's, that's who he is. Um, my dad lives and breathes basketball and I think he was literally born to be an NBA coach. I know he played in the NBA and he had a, you know, a good career. I think he was even made more so to be a coach. Um, he just has that character and he has a lot of traits that go along with being a coach. And a lot of people don't like my pops. Um, In terms of his style of coaching, I shouldn't say a lot. I'd say some people, he's got a lot of hatred over the past couple of years. He really has. Um, I've seen it, whether it's in comments, Twitter, media, it's just been so unfair. You know, it's like if Doc's team doesn't go to the system, I've seen this the other day, I've seen players talk about this. Uh, You know, if Doc's team doesn't go to the conference finals, you know, I see them making a head coaching change. Why? (laughs) Why? Why, why isn't any other coach held to the standard? They don't get to the conference finals. Are they going to remove this coach too? Is his team, is his roster filled with like five all-stars to where like he has to win or go to the conference finals or he gets fired? I don't, there's only four teams that get to the conference finals every year. There's only one team that wins. Why is it for whatever reason that when like Doc goes to a team, it's like, you know, you know, if he doesn't get to the conference finals this year, I, th- I think they need a coaching change. Why? Why is that his standard? Why aren't you saying this about the Bucks or or or, or Boston? Those teams have really good teams, or Miami, or this team, or that. Why is it? I don't see why players are always putting my name, my dad's name, into that. Uh, well,
0: also in the East, you have the Bucs and the Celtics. They're our two best teams in the NBA right now. If they don't make the conference finals, they're not fa- They're not expected to. Vegas doesn't have to make in the conference finals. That's the, that's they, the thing.
2: It's like I don't understand why, but that's like a it's a it's a constant constant scenario that is uh, uh uh revolving around my pops that there needs to be a coaching change if he doesn't make the finals or docs overrated like what are y'all talking about first off something uh phoenix or uh, uh 76ers have i don't want to say overachieved this year because they're a really good team but they have a really good record and have played really well james has played really, a lot really of guys well.
0: have missed time and a lot of guys maxi they've had a lot, lot of, time. Max, james all of, all of them. time
2: and they still are one of the best teams in the league all right it's like a known thing within the league, I think. And I don't even say this being biased. I say this proud and 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 very thankful for this. But I, I, most people would agree that my dad is one of the top-tier coaches in the NBA. I think anybody who says he's not would just be on – that. that's just on some hate and shit. That's just the truth. Uh, with that being said, uh, is he perfect? Does he have his flaws? Yeah, every coach does. But this standard that he's held to is just ridiculous. It really is, bro. It's like if he doesn't make the finals – or doesn't go to the finals, which I'm like, it's so funny because, you know, he's 1-1. It's not like he's 1-14. Like, I don't know what this standard is. It's like this LeBron standard of coaching that, like, I see some people in the media do with him. And I've even seen former players say that. They're like, you know, Doc doesn't do this. He's going to be this. I'm like, why, is, why are you saying this about him? There's like 12 other coaches that are in teams that are just as good. Why are their names not in the mix? And also, it's like so funny to me when I see this coming from black people. Uh, black men, young black players. I'm just like, what the hell? The amount of like work that's been put in for like black coaches to now be a prominent thing in the NBA, like the the work in the history of time. My dad, I think is the all time winningest black head coach or I think he's second. Uh, that That's like, what are we talking about here? And I say this as a proud as a son and yeah, I might be biased or whatever, but um, that's just ridiculous. I, I've seen this over the past couple of weeks. That stuff's just absurd and they're wrong. Uh, uh, Lenny Wilkins is first. Uh, but yeah, whatever, man. Let's, let's, get let's, next you. Time.
0: let's get yeah. Let's get on uh, rapid fire. Rapid fire. Okay, my first question for you if you're starting a franchise right now with any player in the NBA, who are you picking?
2: Giannis, hands down. Who would be second? Luca. I think those are two pretty good
0: answers. I feel like really quick, I want to slide in that Giannis. If the Bucks end up with the best record in the NBA, Middleton has not been Middleton all year, and they end up with He's the been best hurt. record He's in the been NBA. Hurt. He's been Giannis hurt. is yeah, Giannis is gonna win MVP because I don't think they want to give it to Jokic, and Giannis is gonna sneak in and win MVP, especially if they have the best record in the NBA, best player on the bet, and the best record in the NBA. I think he'll. I think it's his to win.
2: That'd be his third, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, him or, him or Jokic are going to win. Him and Jokic are the two most dominant players in the NBA right now. And it's just a fact, especially over the past four or five years. They've been the most dominant players in the NBA. Uh, and Giannis is dominating. you cannot be stopped. There's, there's really no other answer uh, to start a franchise with other than Giannis. He plays just about every game. He has a motor that cannot be taught. It cannot even be like, it just, it's someone it's either something someone has or doesn't have to add to that. He's, uh, loyal to a small market, loyal to a small a market. Of, a lot of people aren't like that anymore. Let's be honest. He's also very likable, man. He's a very likable guy just from everything I hear. You know what I mean? what he's done for his brothers, what he's done for his family, uh, you know, even his, uh unorthodox ways when he's on Instagram live or when he's on his phone, just because he is from a whole different culture. He's foreign. Like people find him very humorous. He's funny. Uh, He's normal. He works his ass off. They say he's the hardest working guy on the team. It's always nice when the best player is also the hardest working. And, you know, he has guys bought in around him and like playing there and they have guys and you always know a, a guy's really good when like the role players also around him have been there for a long time. Like, Brook Lopez doesn't want to play anywhere else. Drew Holiday doesn't want to play anywhere else. Chris Middleton doesn't want to play anywhere else. Bobby Portis doesn't want to play anywhere else. These guys have been there for a long time. And, like, I've built this culture with him of championship basketball. I, I think Giannis has to be number one starting a franchise. If I'm a GM or a president and I could have any team for the next 10 years, I'd have this guy. This guy's a – look. everything he does, he, he goes fullest. Look,
0: and, and look what you're saying. You have a bunch of guys that want to play in Milwaukee because of him. It's a small market. You know, you and me grew up in Orlando, which is, you know, considered a small market. It, it's hard. You know, Shaq left us. Dwight left us. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's to have someone stay and then have other players, you know, attract other players that want to play with them, that's a no-brainer who I would start my franchise with.
2: And how how much maintenance is Giannis? A lot of these superstars can be, I don't want to say the wrong word, but they can be difficult to deal with. You know what I mean? Uh some of them are a handful, you know? And Giannis seems like someone who just kind of just does his work and goes about his business. And I think people really love, you know, they, that's, that's a nice thing to work with and not have to deal with on a daily basis where you got like drama or issues. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that pick.
0: Next question. You could have one jersey in NBA history. Who are you taking? You don't have to give me a player. What team? Who has the best jersey in NBA history that you would take? And if you want to give me a specific player in that era, you could give me that too. Let's Just say you're going one. to a pool. Let's say, let's say you're going to a pool party. You get to wear a throwback jersey. Who you what jersey that's are you diff- wearing? Is that's that a, a different party?
2: answer. Cause I cause I, I would throw like an unorthodox player in like a jersey. You know what I mean? Like I would have like a pinstriped, you know, uh, 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 Bull's jersey that says Ku Coach on the back. You know, I wouldn't have Jordan or or Pippen. I like the unorthodox players that people forget about. I'd have a, you know, uh, let's see. I'd have like a uh an old Raptors pinstripe jersey, John Wallace. Gerald Wallace, I'm sorry, Gerald Wallace. You know, something like that. Maybe a Damon Stoudemire, you know. But if I had to pick one, I'm an Orlando guy. Uh the 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 pinstripe Penny Hardaway. Uh the jersey. That's your favorite yeah, jersey? The black. Outfit. Yeah, black, black, black with the white pinstripes.
0: And you're That's... rocking Penny. You're going with Penny to that pool party. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with a Vladi Divots Lakers jersey from back in the day, just because I'm gonna play on kind of the way I look. But I think the best jersey in NBA history <laughs> might be.
2: You do got a little Vlade in you, don't you? You wouldn't would, you would, you would rather do like a black sack sack jersey. Okay, I mean, He I
0: really it. came to his own back then, but when he came into the league, he was like burst. He burst onto the scene. Magic Johnson brought him in. Little Doug it.
2: Christie, little Doug Christie sack jersey.
0: I wouldn't mind a Doug Christie jersey. I, I do think the Magic. I mean, maybe I'm biased. The Magic back in the day had the best jerseys, and then the Magic had those jerseys with the stars in them when T Mac played there. Those were really what about cool a retro.
2: Players. What about a retro Minnesota jersey? What about like a retro Tom yeah. Gugliotta?
0: I would definitely go with the Doug West retro Tim- Timberwolves jersey.
2: Little Terrell Brandon, little Terrell Brandon jersey.
0: That's not bad. What about a Glenn Rice Hornets jersey? Because I do own that some, mm. somewhere here. It's a purple Hornets Glenn Rice jersey, forty-one. I like that. I like that. What do you That's think of the nineties? What player do you think doesn't get the respect or kind of fell into the cracks, like slipped through the cracks that we don't talk about anymore? Like a Mitch Richmond, Mitch Allen Richmond, Houston. For sure. Yeah, Allen a lot Houston. of these guys they don't get talked about. Eddie Jones. There's there's players from this generation that. 20 years from now, people are going to forget about, too, they are going to slip through the cracks. Well, I,
2: I'll be in the locker room talking about these guys, and t- players on my team have no idea who the hell I'm talking about. I could be talking about, like, Eddie Jones or, like, Glenn Robinson. Big dog. And they'll be, Shout like, out. they'll be like, yeah, they'll be like, who, who? I'm just like, holy shit, man. Like, these dudes are young. It's like a whole new era of basketball. Like, they just, like, it's like... Uh, they know Sam Cassell as a coach, like they have no idea. Like as a player, he was mid aged god. Like they they don't they don't like know about like it's just it that yeah that that's just where we're at now. You know, I, I don't know. It also doesn't help that that was the era before, like they had social media and YouTube and all that stuff. So like a For lot of sure. these guys' clips that's... just get they just get forgotten about. Man, there's like, grainy footage,
0: really... grainy footage on YouTube of some of these players. I mean, go. If you want to go see some highlights, it's going to be tough to watch for sure. It is, bro. Some players are
2: like, yeah, like some of these guys, like there's not a lot of footage. of like these weird little mixtapes on YouTube with like terrible music in the background. And it's like, what the fuck is this guy? I don't want to watch this. They don't have like edits and like clips of them like scoring 20 every night like you do of like modern day players. You know, you could track every player's every game on YouTube now. They just don't have that. So it's tough for these guys to really know any of these dudes unless you were like a student of the game really early or, you know, if you're our age. 30 you know i mean that's like really that it's shocking to me that guys don't know a lot of these players uh but whatever i i feel like also yeah if you you know you know who
0: kenny smith is you know who these guys are if you're in the media you know younger the younger generation will know who you are but every now and then i'll i'll find a guy that just retired had a great career i'll find his instagram and he'll have like fifteen thousand followers or something 15 it it'll, like, it'll be like weird pics and i'll be like oh my god and like this guy just kind of he retired kind of lives a nice, quiet life somewhere. And he just wasn't, he didn't coach afterwards. He wasn't in the media afterwards. 15,000 is
2: generous. 15,000 is generous. I've seen guys with like 1,200 followers, bro. 1,400 followers. And this guy played in the NBA for like 12 years and was dominant and like, you know, made some good money and like, just didn't do anything after in terms of in the spotlight. It's like living a normal life somewhere. I'm just like, yeah, this is crazy to me. You'll see it on Instagram. You know, the pics are always like, just really weird. I'll be like him, like eating a cheeseburger, like, or like, him driving in a car. They're not like good like Instagram pics because they're not like insta-savvy. It's just like the whole it's like what is going on? But people just don't really know about a lot of these fallen stars. I don't want to say fallen because they're not fallen, just just a different life now. You know what I mean? One's in the spotlight, one's not. If you're like young, younger 20s in the NBA, most of these guys don't know a lot of these older players like 21s 22 years old i'm not saying everybody because every player is different but a lot of these guys when i talk to them and i we like we have these conversations they'll be like who i'm like bro you don't know who this guy was They're like nah i'm like oh my goodness bro
0: and it's the worst too like for a guy for example like latrell spreewell he's only known for the pj Carlissimo incident or that run with the Knicks, where they you know but they, people don't rem- uh
2: latrell spreewell he's only known for what what do you what? say
0: He's only known for the incident with P.J. Carlissima, the choking incident. He was spending... I, I'm not even like...
2: I, I do know about that, but I don't even like... When I think of Latrell Sprewell, I don't even think of that.
0: What do you think? I guess he was first-team All-NBA in 1994. The, you know, he, he, was, he was a player, and people like just don't really even know anything about him now. That's just another guy who's up through the cracks. If you want my
2: honesty, the first thing I think of when I think of Latrell Sprewell is I think of his rims that he came out with, the Sprewell like wheels. spinners? Then I think of those shoes that he wore that every time he stepped, the back of the wheel used to spin. Do you remember Chris Webber's Dada sneakers? I had a pair. Come on,
0: man. <laughs> Don't blame yeah. me. I had an argument. It started with Sharif and Murph yesterday. You're two good friends. And they, we got into double dipping. How do you feel about double dipping? If there it's is fucking is a, disgusting. If there is a tableside side guac and we're out there. One dip. They said One it's dip. okay. They said it's okay to double dip. He goes, well, we do it all the time. I go, I'm going to start asking for, I'm gonna start asking for my, own, my own dip.
2: Well, that just and, tells me everything about, who's that, Murph and Sharif?
0: Yeah. They were, they were saying it's totally fine, and they thought I was in the minority of this. I said the least you could do if you're going to get another dip is flip the chip. So your flip mouth part is not I
2: don't it. care if you flip the chip. The chip is still going in the dip. It's one dip per chip, and then you eat. And then if you want, if you want to put more dip on the chip, get a new chip. That was cool. crazy.
0: No, I'm telling you. And they, we went to a poll on Instagram. Someone posted it.
2: They, they were saying it's completely that's disgusting. fine. Then we no, got that's into, disgusting. then we got no into way. drinking
0: after each other. That's Boston, fucking disgusting. Boston, if I, if I had a Gatorade and I was drinking out of the spout of the Gatorade, would you take a put your mouth on that spout? And Absolutely drink out of
2: that not. Gatorade?
0: No. It's. Cr- they, I'm telling you, they said I was in the minority, and that is very normal. Everyone shares drinks. Everyone double dipping. It's completely fine.
2: No. Do you know what though? That's very. How big of a partier were you in college? Like, were you a frat boy? No. It's very cultural. It's like a thing. Like, you go to college, there's a lot of people that go to college and party and hang out with friends. Like, those guys are just passing around uh, things even more than drinks. Okay. They don't have a lot of boundaries. So, like, uh, two dips and a chip, two chip, whatever, Uh, no problem. Drink after each other, no problem. Yeah, I remember people uh, playing
0: beer pong, and like this dirty ball would go into the cup of beer, and they were just drinking that beer. uh, It was was shocking.
2: If I throw, if I saw some like just nasty, greasy frat boy throw his little dirty ping pong in my beer, I'm not going to remove that ball out of my beer and then proceed to drink the beer. But I'm not a frat boy. We're getting a lot of hate by this. this. This comment right here that we're saying right now is not going to go over well for us. People are going to look at us and think, look, who are these little bougie bastards?
0: No, 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 no. I think this is a totally normal thing. I think we're in the majority here. I have a question. I don't if think I so. A, I, I really don't. I think say, they're right. Let's say I had a spicy margarita and I was drinking out of it. I took a couple sips. Would you try it? You were, like, you were curious. You were like, I want, I want to try that drink. Would you put your mouth on that drink and try it? Would you drink after me?
2: At the very worst, I would just spin the cup. I got to get fresh lips at a landing zone. My, my <laughs> lip has to be the first one to touch that, that side of the cup. Fre- fresh fresh lip landing zone's okay. Do a little spin action. You got to look because some people are just sipping all over the place. So you got you to be, be careful about it. You see a little residue on the end of the cup, that lips have been there.
0: But you're absolutely not drinking out of my straw.
2: That's just ridiculous. For me to put my two... Bro, I can't even say that out loud. Without I'm sounding telling crazy. you, people do there's, that there's just, I, I can't even talk about that. That's just not even... No, man. I'm not doing that. I'm not putting... I'm not going to put... No. Okay. And I do think maybe it's situational. You
0: would drink after your girlfriend. Absolutely. Now, would you drink... Maybe there's levels of your friendships where you would drink after no some levels. friends. There's no levels. Some, there's some friends you... It's situational. Maybe some friends you wouldn't drink after some friends you would.
2: If you were in a pinch. There's definitely might be tears because there are some friends of mine who are just, it's just absolutely not about drinking after him. And then there's some like, you know what? This guy thinks like me. I'm really, really thirsty. There's no drinks around. I've been running on the track for, for, for two hours. We're doing conditioning. It's tryouts in high school. He has a Gatorade. You want to waterfall it? I mean, I would just waterfall yeah, it, by yeah, the way. I, I, would I mean, I, why, why, why it does your lips it? I have... For instance, because I'm trying to think, like if I'm like really thirsty, getting it done with a workout, and someone's like, "Yo, I have to be your Gatorade, I'm like, "Yeah." And this guy grabs it and just puts his mouth on it. I would be like, "Yo, just keep the Gatorade, bro. That's just ridiculous." Right, and I think it depends. It depends what type of drink, too, bro. Like a Gatorade, a water bottle, like bro. It's, it's it should be waterfalled. Mouth on that's gross. Milk.
0: Ugh. Well, I can't tell you the last time I had a glass of milk. That's just not really a thing for me. I I haven't had like Oreos and milk since I was maybe seven. By the
2: way, all the people out there who just casually walk into their kitchen, open their fridge and pour themselves a glass of milk. (laughs) You're a freak. You're a freak. And I don't even know what else to say about it. If I'm thirsty, it's water or anything in in the realm. For someone to like come in after like a hot day's work grab a glass of milk and be like ah you're different (laughs) but you've seen like the
0: show hot ones where they're eating the spicy wings and they'll have a glass of milk that's
2: different that's different it's 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 supposed to you know you know i think calm your like senses in your mouth from from the heat
0: just for the record and we'll we'll put it we'll put a bow tie on the end of this convo you just double dipping is nuts I, I the people that just take a bite out of a chip, and how big is this chip that you're taking a bite and going in for a second dip? I don't care if it's queso, guacamole, salsa, a double dip in the chip is nuts. I don't care. And by the way, I don't care if it's 3 people at the table, 8 people at the table, it's wrong.
2: Double double dipping's wrong. Um but like if a girl was really really pretty and she double dipped, would you care?
0: I said it was situational. I told you that already.
2: So Jessica <laughs> Alba, Jessica Alba puts her chip in dip, bites it, puts it right back you're like, you know what? I really don't mind.
0: Yeah, if Jessica, Alba's at my, if Jessica Alba's at my table, the last thing I'm thinking about is the dip in the chip. And I'm thinking about some other... That was probably, I'm probably I'm in a wild panic, blacking out. Completely drenched in sweat. All right, well, let's Jessica, go back to
2: that J- 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 Jessica Alba, in other words, could leave the chip in there. She could just she leave her it, chip in there, come back to it, and you're like, no problem.
0: She could, I'll pour the dip on my head if she wanted it. If she, fought, <laughs> if she found it funny, I'll do whatever Jessica Alba wanted. It's her world. I'm living in it. Uh, Literally.
2: You, you you would simp for her, in in other words.
0: I mean, she's not like my go-to, but she's definitely, I mean, she's gorgeous. What are we doing here? She's gorgeous. Austin, you have a big one tonight against the Lakers. Good luck. Today was kind of a crazy episode. Uh, looking forward to speaking with you next week.
2: My dog, appreciate you, man. As always, it was a pleasure. Uh, this one got a little bit out of hand, but <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Have a good weekend, bro. Yes, sir.